0: This is episode 265 of the Beyond the Food Show, and today we have a guest on the podcast, a mom of three, and one of my students, Yunami, and she and I are gonna talk all things, mom's guilt, the disease of shooting yourself, and how to handle food with the children and the family. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Going Beyond the Food Show. I'm Stephanie Dodzie, clinical nutritionist and certified intuitive eating counselor, creator of the Going Beyond the Food method. And after a 25 year dieting career that started at the age of 12, I decided to say hell no to diet culture and hell yes to living my life to the fullest in my now body. And I made it my mission to help smart, successful women like you live confidently, Unconditionally, right now. Ready, sister? Let's do this. Hey, if you're new to the Going Beyond the Food show, our podcast roadmap has been designed with you in mind. With over 250 episodes available to listen, it can feel overwhelming to know which episode to prioritize for you. The podcast guide answers the top five questions women have when they enter our world of going beyond the food to unlearn diet culture. To get your free copy of our podcast roadmap guide, head over to stephaniedoziate.com forward slash roadmap, or use the hyperlink in the show notes. I'll see you on the other side. Welcome back, sisters. I'm so excited about this one. I've been wanting to create this podcast episode for a long time about mom's guilt, because I hear it from you guys a lot, but... I don't have any kids. I cannot speak to this with true validity. I don't have a lived experience. I don't know how it feels. I don't know, right? And and I'm a huge proponent of lived experience because it brings so much to the conversation. I can teach it from a place of intellectuality but I cannot teach it from a place of having felt it and lived through it. So I've been waiting for the perfect guest or the perfect person to come along and have this conversation with, and I met her. She's actually one of my student, uh, professional student in the, I I run a program for professional to learn the non-diet approach and and Unami is part of my program. She's a non-diet nutritionist, a certified intuitive eating counselor. She has a professional career outside of this field, and she's now building a business to help other moms. And that's, why that's how we came to work together and she's the whole deal like she's got the three kids she's got the career she's got the business she's got the husband I'm like she's the perfect person to have this conversation with and that's what she does she helped moms with exactly that mom's guilt so I'm very excited to have this uh, podcast episode and if you're a mom I just want to let you know that every time I talk about mom's topic I always have women with lived experience. And I've got two other podcasts for you out there. Podcast 226, where we talked about fertility in women with fat bodies. And I had actually was a threesome that episode. I had Nicola and I had Ashley, which Ashley is a friend of mine in a large body. Nicola is an expert in fat fertility. And I also have podcast 235, which is Another one was a threesome. Again, I had Dr. Jillian Murphy talk about how to integrate intuitive eating in a family. And I had a student of mine, Sally. Uh, so you may want to go back and listen to those episodes as well. It's kind of a threesome with today on how we dealt with mom guilt. This episode is so juicy. We talk about mom's guilt and we talk about the syndrome of... <laughs> balance. Udemy going to hold opinion on that. We talk about shitting ourselves. And we talk about, in her case, Unami transitioned her family to um, what's called competent eating model through the second to the third child. So she has part of her family that was raised into this competent eating model, but she has another child who was raised with diet culture in mind. So we talk about all this transition. You're going to love this episode. So without any further ado, let's transition to the interview. Welcome to the show, Unami.
1: Hi, Stephanie. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here
0: and talking to you today. It's finally (laughs) happening. Yes. After just a few tries. Just a few (laughs) tries, lots of technical problems, but you know... We roll with the punches, right? That's life. That's life. <laughs> and that is the perfect way of doing this interview because this is what this interview is going to be about, right? Oh, yeah. I titled the show Mom's Guilt, but really underneath that is what we just experienced, rolling with the punches, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about your story. I want to introduce you and I want to set you up for people to understand that what we're going to talk about today, mom guilt, you have lived experience and I'm a big proponent of lived experience. That's why I've never done this episode before, because, you know, I have no kids. I can't speak to that. That would be other BS for me to do that. So here you are, mom of three and on diet nutritionist a professional you've now you're building a business now like you have it all going on. So tell us a little bit more about you and how you came to be here today. Okay.
1: Well, I'll talk about today and then we're just going to go a little bit back. So right now I work I have a nine-to-five job. I work full-time. I have three kids, like you said. I'm a non-diet nutritionist with a coaching business for moms where I coach women to take a proactive approach to their health, help them heal their relationship with food, and also integrate what they're learning so that they can support their kids to grow up to be healthy, competent eaters. But that wasn't always the case. So I grew up you know, wanting to help people and support people. And when I started entertaining this idea of becoming a mom, I was worried because I was really career driven, but I also wanted to have kids. So I found myself in this struggle, trying to figure out what was right. And I thought, you know what, I've heard people talking about balance. Maybe that's the key. I'll just have kids, I'll work, I'll do all these things. And then I'm going to find balance. Well, that was not the case. That did not work. (laughs) No. (laughs) I tried to find the water. I didn't find it. So when I was pregnant with my second daughter, I actually was finishing up my nutrition degree. And I remember then for six months, I had so many health issues. I was losing weight, gaining weight. My hair was falling out. I was having digestive issues. And my doctor did so many tests. uh, Finally, he said, uh, she said, you know, I think you have IBS. So she said we needed to go get a colonoscopy to complete this test. And I said, okay, just give me one week. I need to think about it. I never went back.
0: <laughs> really? That, that was the end. You didn't want to go there.
1: And it's funny because most people will say, oh, you know, my journey started with, you know, something that doesn't have to do with colonoscopy, but that was my case. <laughs> I was so afraid. I don't like hospitals. So I asked for a week to think about it, and then I started doing my own research. And one of the things that I found is I'm quite intuitive. So while I was doing this research, the word stress kept coming up for me. I started looking at my symptoms, and I asked, perhaps maybe this is the case. So she gave me a little bit more time, and I started you know, thinking about what I could do differently. And it just happened that I needed to change this whole mindset about finding balance and trying to do it all and being the yes mom that had everything under control. So what did I do? I stepped back from volunteering. I started saying no to people and commitments, which was huge. And I'm sure a lot of women and moms can relate to this because we like to please people. So that was really hard for me not to say yes to all these other things. And then I started um, taking better care of myself through this process. I realized that I actually was not eating properly. I was eating by the clock diet mentality again, I was in nutrition. This is how I was trained. So trying to discipline myself and have self-control and not gain too much weight, because let's remember, we're going to have to lose that baby weight. So there was all these things going on and I just had to shut myself off and try and quiet the noise around me. And that's when things started to change. So eventually I was able to ask for help which again, moms, we find ourselves in that place and we really struggle with asking for help. And then I started noticing how my relationship with food changed. I was no longer eating by rules. A big rule I had was not eating after six. That was a big one for me. So I started just trusting myself, tuning back into those hunger cues and making sure that I was nourishing myself. It even flowed into how I interacted with my daughter when it came to food. And through this process, I realized there was no balance. Like to me, that was just something that was in the air and people were trying to struggle and try to find it. I talk about this in episode five of my podcast, the Thriving Mom podcast, talking about balance in motherhood and how it looks the same as chasing thinness in diet culture, because that was what I thought about it.
0: It's, it's the diet culture version for mom. It's balance. Exactly. Is that it?
1: Exactly. Yeah that's pretty much it. Diet culture will tell you, you know, this is the right way to go. If you want to be healthy, you have to be disciplined and have self-control and all these other things. And we're all over the place chasing this ideal body image and this ideal things that don't work. The same with motherhood. We're chasing balance. You know, we're struggling so hard. But at the end of the day, there are a lot of us that are struggling. So that's my message. It's like, no, let's just come back home think about what's priority for you. And then let's build on that. And that's the message that I take into my business as well. When I'm coaching the moms that I'm coaching, I talk a lot about, you know, how we can come back to this place. Yes, we do talk about nutrition because of course there's food involved, but a lot of it has to do with dealing with the mindset and expectations of us as moms. So
0: yeah, that's my story. And here we are today. That's beautiful. Okay. So Balance to motherhood is like thinness to diet culture. Absolutely. So it does not exist.
1: No, it doesn't. And you'll find some moms will say, Oh, I do have balance. Yes. What's that? But do you, when you actually sit down and think about it, you don't, because life is all about rhythms and cycles right? Things change. You look at winter comes, the plants are not really growing. And then we go into spring and things start to come up. Then summer, everything's like, oh, we're just going to grow right now because the weather's perfect. The sun's perfect. And that's how motherhood is. Some of us will go through seasons where we just need to nurse our babies, you know, take care of those little ones because in no time they're going to be grown up. They won't need us as much. And there's some of us who have to work and take care of the kids at the same time. And we recognize that these are seasons that we're going through. It's not always going to be that way. And I feel like when we start to see our motherhood seasons that way, it makes it easier for us to be able to enjoy this motherhood. Because for the most part, a lot of us do want to be moms, but then that fear of having to deal with all of this is just really hard
0: for a lot of moms, especially young moms. So when you say those with, who say they have it, they may not have it. What I have observed as a -a non-a-mom is that when women moms say they have balance, it's typically that their family has balance. Everybody's taken care of, like the partner, the kids, the house looks perfect, but they're a mess. Absolutely.
1: That's why I said something has to give. Because when you sit down and think about it, they're putting somebody else first. They're putting other people first. They're putting their families, or their their houses, or their cars, or the way they look. They dress up to cover everything, but when you start digging deep inside, it's a lot of them are not you know fulfilled. They're not happy. They're not in that place where it's joyful. Which brings me to this idea of mom guilt and shame oh, that we yeah, feel.
0: Please, please. Because
1: again, going back to society standards, there's so many shoulds. Like there's so many shoulds and we're shooting all over the place and we need to do this. Oh, and this person said I have to do this. And do I feed my child with the breast or do I use mashed food or do I do organic and clean? And the baby just wants to eat. Just feed the baby and move on. But we have all these shoulds in places, and that's what affects us because we're living by other people's standards. We're trying to present ourselves in this light so that people don't judge us, so that we can be part of this community of women who have found the secret sauce, which is balance.
0: It's interesting. As I hear you speak, what I see in my mind, I have a visual of, you know, that that shooting and that balance mom like it's like an industry almost is it Mm -hmm. like that you know like thinness is an industry to diet culture like we've got the weight loss industry is there forces that are pulling us as a society to put this perfect mom image at the front
1: I believe so I'm not gonna say I've researched it but when you look around look at social media look at the what we're seeing on tv look at the people who seem to be doing very well, who have all the, the followers, they're the people putting this perfect image out there. And then it's sort of like you stick out like a sore thumb if you tend to be the one who's not in the mix, right? You don't have the the house perfectly arranged with your nice white cupboards and, and color-coded folders for the kids and the playroom and all these things. And that's not the point. When we think about diet culture, there's a lot of ostracizing of people who don't conform, whether you're not eating the way you're supposed to be eating or your body doesn't look a certain way. And that's the culture I feel like mothers are struggling with as well, because there's this whole idea of if you don't have all that, then you're not a part of, you're not doing motherhood well. You're not being a mom. But what do our kids need from us? They just want a safe and nurturing space for them to grow and thrive. And most of us know how to do that. But the problem is we're so busy chasing balance. Sometimes we forget about the vision that we have for our families. And then over time, we don't even realize that we've done that. And we're sitting down here with an 18-year-old not knowing what in the world happened.
0: It's interesting. Again, I'm having a visual like, you know, how we body shame people in larger body and diet culture. We guilt mom for not having the perfect mom life. Absolutely. And we have to take the power back. How do we take the power back? How do we not we because I'm not, but how do how can (laughs) you guys you and the other mom take their power back or like overcome this mom guilt?
1: I believe first of all, just recognizing the seasons, like I said, when you know the seasons are coming, Mm -hmm. you prepare, but that is left for you to decide how you want to deal with that. So first of all, when you have that shame or guilt, and again, shame is something that makes us want to hide. Shame is something that thrives in the dark. It makes us want to stay away from other people. When you recognize that this is something that you're struggling with, just know it's there and then try to identify where is it coming from? Because some of us think we're doing a good job until someone tells us that we're not, right? There are a lot of us who walk around, we're fine with our bodies until someone says, oh, look, you have a fold, you shouldn't have a fold. And all of a sudden it becomes all about this one fold that we have, even though everybody has a fold, but ours, it's like, that's the one thing we can notice. So if you recognize where is this coming from, where is the expectation coming from? And then you decide what is your truth, think about the expectation and think about, is it true in your case? Is this what you really believe? And I feel a lot of us are afraid to ask ourselves that question because when we do, we might actually know deep down, if we tune into our bodies, our bodies can tell us that that's not what we want, but maybe we need to go back and do that and be really frank with ourselves. What is our truth? What do I want for my family? What do I want for my kids? And once you know that truth, you need to stand in your truth, and you need to be very vocal about it. I posted a few things about putting uh, uh, barriers in place and and trying to put boundaries as a way to protect not only the people outside but also protect yourself. Once you stand in your truth, you are able to put those boundaries in place. And the boundaries teach people how to treat you, they treat them, they show them how they need to speak to you, how they need to treat your family, or what they can even say to you that is okay or not. And once you do that, you trust in yourself and then just lean into that. Lean into the people that you're taking care of, those little ones, talk to them. What do you want to see? How can we be a family where you're thriving? How can I support you? Oh, and be sure that those kids, they have a lot to say. And when they speak, <laughs> is there anything like my first child? They have a lot of opinions. <laughs> so just listen. And then you just keep going. Take every day as it comes and roll with the punches like we did at the beginning yep.
0: of this podcast. <laughs> so walk us through one example of a unconventional boundaries that you had to place in your own motherhood. Mm -hmm. to help you rid yourself of the mom's guilt.
1: Okay. So for my child or my kids, while they were growing up, I was very conscious of who I let watch them or what people could say to them. Mm -hmm. So my kids, um, I'm very protective when it comes to the body. I don't let people talk about their bodies and I don't talk about other people's bodies. Like we can talk about our bodies in our home, But we've made that one of the things that we don't discuss. So when I started implementing this, because I'm from Nigeria and the culture, you know, we're all a community and people can say whatever. I had to actually be vocal and tell people, don't tell my child this. For instance, people would call my child Fati Bomb Bomb, which was like she was a heavier baby as a child. I had to start telling people, don't tell her that again. We don't talk about bodies her body was good for her at that point. And now she's growing into a different body. When I started saying it, people were taken aback. Like they would look at me and go, what? It's just the thing. I'm like, no, no, no. We live in a society where people are struggling with these issues. And it starts from, you know, the little age. So I had to put that boundary there. It was tough. It still is tough because again, culturally we're not at that place where everyone recognizes the harm that we're causing and it's fine i don't get upset about it it's just this is my boundary so i say it with kindness in our house we don't discuss our children's bodies we don't talk about people's bodies and all bodies are worthy of care and attention and we live it there
0: that's beautiful because a lot of moms struggle with that particularly with loved one right grandma, the aunt saying like this, this is a great coaching example here. Can we take time to talk about food? Because I know you're a nutritionist, like you graduated from my program. And this is a lot of mom guilt as well, right? How can we feed our family? Or how can a mom feed a family while trusting their children and still have a healthy food environment, I guess, in the house. Can you walk us through that notion?
1: Hmm, that's a great question. And like you said, it's a big so one, right? Us, <laughs> so many of us struggle with that. It's like you just open the floodgates and the water starts to come. But when it comes to food, there are two things that I always tell the women in my program. First of all, you have to make yourself a priority. And second of all, your children when it comes to the feeding relationship. So first because again, we come from diet mentality, a lot of us have been influenced by the diet mentality, and when we try to support our kids, even if we have the best of intentions, if we haven't dealt with our own issues, it's really tough to let yourself go and give yourself that freedom. So when it comes to the mom, you have to think about eating as a form of self-care. We're always so busy, we don't take the time to just pay attention and eat. And oftentimes we end up eating when we're extremely hungry. And then we end up overcompensating for the hunger. And of course, it's like the society is telling you, you need self-control. You can't be eating that way. And of course, the diet is waiting right on the corner, just waiting for you to click that button. So that's one. And then secondly, when it comes to feeding the children, I always follow Ellen Satter's division of responsibility. That's what I teach the women in my program. And Ellen says the parents are responsible for the what, when, and where to feed the kids. Now the children are responsible for whether they eat or how much. So again, the parents are responsible for what you're feeding your child, when you're feeding them, and where which means you need to create the environment. You get to decide the grocery shopping, what you're going to bring into your home. Obviously, as your children get older, you give them a little bit of a leeway in that and involve them in the meal planning and the grocery shopping. Then for when, you need to make sure that you're prioritizing eating times. They can't just come in and out grazing because that overrides their natural cues. We need to make sure that we're setting times for breakfast, lunch, dinner, whatever you're eating, your snack times, make sure that you have them scheduled out. Obviously, we live in reality. That's not always going to happen. But as long as there's some form of a structure in place, that's the norm, then it helps. And of course, the where. Preferably, it would be nice for us to all sit down and (laughs) eat together. Like the Instagram
0: picture, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> exactly.
1: But that's not real life. Let's just face it. Right. Or maybe in COVID times, it, we're doing it a little bit more because we're yeah. kind of stuck it in the house together. But that's not the reality of a lot of us. So we have to try and make sure that we're still making time, even if it's not the norm, a few times a week, sitting together and eating. And then your child decides whether they eat and how much they want to eat. So for instance, if they choose to eat, you can't be pressuring them because then that's you're crossing your own, you know, your role into your child's role. A lot of parents will think, well, I'm not pressuring them to eat. I'm just encouraging them. You know, they'll be like, oh, great job. You ate your carrots. But research has shown that even the positive reinforcement is a form of pressure.
0: Because now- Like, let's repeat that because this is like, (laughs) this is going to shock people. Repeat that. So, even positive reinforcement, it's a form of pressure. Whoa. Okay.
1: So, let's look at it this way it's very easy when they choose not to eat. We quickly dismiss the issue. We, oh, you have to eat, and we threaten and we try to bribe. Everyone notices that because it looks bad. But then the positive reinforcement is what is sneaky because when your child chooses to eat carrots today and you praise them tomorrow, they might not want to eat the carrots, but they know that if they eat the carrots, mom's going to approve, right? So they'll eat it even when they're not feeling like they want to eat carrots. And again, what are we trying to bring them to be? We want them to be competent eaters. We want them to be able to go out in the world and choose to eat and not eat depending on how they feel. So if we're doing the carrot thing and they're doing it at home because they want to please you, guess what's going to happen? They'll go outside and someone will pressure them to eat. And because they want to gain approval, because they want that person to be in good terms with them, they'll eat it, even if that's not what they want. So that's the thing I always talk to the women in my program. We try and go through the process of making sure that you stay in your lane and let your child stay in their lane. And of course, over time, you start to build that trust, knowing what your child likes and what they don't. Very important that we listen to the children. I know we're always in a hurry, but it's always good to ask. If your child doesn't like a particular food, it's not a matter of asking, why don't you like it? Tell me what about the food you don't like. So, for example, I have a daughter who is very sensitive with spices. She does not like salt. She does not like pepper, nothing. She just wants the food to be bland. And for a long time, we struggled with eating because she just wasn't having anything. And I thought, well, what's the issue here? So I started asking, what is it about the food that you don't like? First of all, she said, if I see any dots in the food, I'm not going to eat it. Dots could be things like thyme or chia seeds or flax, anything that doesn't look like it's supposed to be there. She doesn't want to eat it. So what did we do? We tried to make sure that we were taking a bit of that out and making sure that when we gave her her own food, it didn't have too many of the things that were dotted inside. And she ate it. And when we're having stuff that's a little bit spicy, she gets the one that's not as spicy as everybody else's, and she's eating. So some of these things, we automatically feel like there's a problem. You know, if my child doesn't eat this way, there's a problem and I need to fix it. But what if it's not yours to fix? What if you, instead of trying to fix it for them, work with them and help them to become competent in deciding this is the way I want my food to look. Can you help me to eat? And that's what's going to happen when we start trusting ourselves and trusting our children. I always say, if you feel that you're worried about your child's eating, it's helpful to seek the help of a nutrition professional, maybe your dietitian or your pediatrician and ask for recommendations. And of course, I always recommend go to a non-diet professional because we all know (laughs) the fat phobia, and the weight stigma that's in the world of health when it comes to children as well. So just something to be cautious for moms.
0: This, this is what's so good. I got a question now because I can hear them. <laughs> but, but you know me, my child does not eat at the table when I put food on the table. What do I do with that?
1: First of all, I will ask you, what does the table feel like? What's the atmosphere at the table? Ah, Right? Talk to us a little bit about that we want our children to eat. So imagine if someone invited you to their house Mm -hmm. and you showed up there and you want to hang out, but they're constantly looking out the window. They're constantly walking up and down. Would you feel like you need to be there? Would you feel like you need to be there? If they're always on their phone, they start talking to one person. And then the next thing they're talking to somebody else on the phone and you're just sitting there. You'll feel like you're not invited. So a lot of us moms, Check yourself. What are you doing when you're inviting them to the table to eat? Are you present? Because we can sit at the table, but we're not present. We're busy playing either on our phones or we're talking to somebody else or we're getting up to pick up stuff. You know, I need more salt. I need to go pick it up. And you're up and down. And then you're what you're doing is actually you're showing them that eating is not important. So to them, they'll just sit at the table but they don't need to eat because mom's not really here. We're just here because that's the practice, but let's not make it a practice. Let's make that the norm. This is what we do as a family. It's a time to hang out. It's a time to reconnect. Research shows that a lot of eating together as a family supports children in so many ways, and we need that, but we also have to create that atmosphere at the table. So when, it's, when we're at the table, that's not the time to be asking about, are you going to finish that? We already talked about pressure tactics. We don't bring the pressure tactics to the table. You can try to find a fun game to play, do something that's fun, that gets everyone involved, but try not to put the pressure on the children. Try not to ask questions or things that will make them upset because, again, We want them to be in tune with their body while they're eating. We want them to be able to recognize when they're getting full or whether they need more food, and then you can support them as well. And if your child is not eating, I talked about how you can talk to them it's very, very important. I keep saying this. We think we know everything as mums, And because that's the way the society tells us, oh, you know, everything. But sometimes it's good to ask these little people because they also know stuff and we're trying to support them. So let's also listen. And when we listen, let's try to make changes, obviously within your power, within what you can do and compromise and work with them together so that you can support them
0: that's brilliant. One more question before we wrap this up. Moms often come to the world of competent eating or intuitive eating in their own journey, but they already have a kid. Or maybe they already have two kids and they they raise them into this dieting environment at first. Mm -hmm. And now they're transitioning. And I know I heard you post on that on social media where one of your three, your first one, I think was raised in the old ways. Yes. The, the, the two other one were born and you respected the intuitive eating process naturally. Mm-hmm. How do we transition the family? What's your tips there?
1: I would say there's no right or wrong way, but there's some things you can use to guide you. First of all, depending on the age of the child, if you're doing this work on yourself, it's very important to let them know, you know, I've learned something and I recognize that This is the way I was acting in the past. And now I'm thinking I'd like to do it differently. What do you think about it? And just explain to them what you're learning. Maybe you're learning differently about how to eat and be competent. Maybe you're learning about not talking about their bodies or the food portions at the table. Just tell them and say, what do you think about this? And how can we do it differently? Because I want to support you. And once you do that, don't expect that things are going to change right away. So depending on how long your child has been through this, my first daughter, I remember even just dealing with candy. (laughs) That one was, (laughs) and I'm saying candy because I know a lot of moms suffer and struggle with this issue. My first child, I really, sometimes I think back and I'm just like cover my face because I was the food police when it came to candy. And I remember when I told her, you know what, I'm sorry, I've learned differently. And I want candy to be a part of our meals. And she just kept looking at me like this deer in headlight look like, are you serious? Where's mom? What's going on here?
0: <laughs> I was committed. What did she do? Did she like eat all the candy in, the- in front of her? Absolutely. She didn't trust me. So guess what
1: happened? As soon as I let the door and brought in the candy, she just ate as much as she could quickly because she thought I love this her. is my one chance. I'm not getting and it again. I shrug- <laughs> exactly. So a lot of moms might realize that if there are foods that you were not allowing in your home and you start bringing it in, your child might just want to eat it all, which happens to us as well. When yes. you've been restricting for a while and you start permitting yourself to eat all those foods, You might feel like that's all you want and you just need to trust it because I always say we swing from one end of the pendulum to the other end and over time we find ourselves in the middle. The same will happen with your child. Don't expect them to trust and believe you right away, but you have to be consistent and that's the key. We need to be consistent, not looking at what's happening You can't say, okay, I'm going to change. And because they choose not to eat tomorrow, you decide you're going to go back to restricting. You just need to trust the process. It might take a few months. It might take years. But as long as you're trusting the process, they'll see and they'll observe you. And you have to live out what you're telling them. If you're telling them that you're not going to be talking about, you know, your body negatively, or you're going to be allowing all kinds of foods, and then you're also restricting It's going to cause a problem because then they're confused, but you said this and you're not doing that. So we also have to live that out. And then over time, you'll realize that things are starting to change. I mean, my daughter, she was about maybe three or four when I changed and now she's eight and she has such a great relationship with food. She's willing to try all kinds of foods and she'll tell me, I gave it a try. This is what I didn't like about it. And now I'm moving on and we're good. So that's just what I have to say. (laughs)
0: That's beautiful. So I think for moms, because you got what I have observed, again, I'm not a mom, so I'm being very careful with my language. But what I know of mom is that they want the best for their children. Absolutely. So when you transition your family from or transition you from diet culture to um, a competent eating or intuitive eating model of eating, it may be a great place for you to go get someone to bounce ideas from right to have a coach to have somebody mm-hmm. that can hear you because you're genuinely afraid of the effect it will have on children so Absolutely. that's what you do right that's what your program is about yes can you briefly introduce us to your program
1: so my program is the thriving mom Food Freedom for Busy Moms program. It's a 12-week nutrition coaching program. And what we do in that program is to help moms transform their relationship with food and their bodies. So then they gain that food freedom and they feel empowered to raise confident kids. So a big part of what we do is just, like I talked about at the beginning, we address the mindset, we dig deep down into the root causes of our behaviors and how they impact our children, and then we work towards integrating that into the family. We help the moms to bring up that conversation with the kids on, okay, this is what I'm learning and this is what I'm doing. And then we work over the weeks. We have uh, family integration modules where we have activities where they get to work with their children or their partners, if they're available or willing to do that. And we work through that together. So I give them that support that they go through that with me. And over time, we're able to rub our minds together. And by the end of the 12 weeks, they're empowered to work through that. So we do the Ellen Satter's division of responsibility. We also do a big one which is meal planning. And Ooh, I know a lot of moms juicy. who have struggled. <laughs> we have a lot of moms who have been destroyed by the meal planning police. You know, who think that we need to have everything cooked and everything prepped. No, no, no. We don't do that in our program. We teach responsive meal planning where you actually go deep down and focus on what matters and how you can bring that into your family. And so far, it's been really great. My my clients are enjoying the program. It's funny when I see the change that they're just making. And it makes me so excited because I'm glad that I'm able to make and support these women through their journey. And I'm really hopeful that more moms will jump on that wagon, whether it be from me or another non-diet nutritionist or, or dietitian, but just being able to go and support your family without, you know, a diet mentality.
0: It's the best feeling to see people blossom. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So you have a podcast as well. Yes. Can you share a little bit on that? Because I read what I like about the podcast, I got to say I'm a fan of this because it's short, like it doesn't take a lot of time. It's not like a one hour episode. It's short bites and it keeps you on track. So what's the name of it?
1: Absolutely. My podcast is the Thriving Mom podcast. And again, it's all about challenging you and other moms at heart. So even if it says mom, I'm talking to the, the aunties, you know, the yes. uncles, the, the grandmas, the mothers-in-law, it's all of you challenging them and their beliefs about motherhood and nutrition, as well as raising healthy kids kids. So we talk a lot about intuitive eating because that's the crux of everything. We talk about self-care, we talk about feeding kids and so much more. It's all about creating this environment where moms can thrive in motherhood, right? It's not just about the food. Yes, the food's important, but it's also just helping other moms because when you know better, then you're not going to be pressuring the mom to go and snap back when she just had a baby. You're not going to be pressuring the mom to feed her child one way when all she can afford is this other type of food. So yes, that's it. Thriving Mom Podcast, new episodes air every Sunday evening, and it's on all of your favorite podcast platforms.
0: We're going to link it in the show notes. And I like the concept of changing the narrative in motherhood circle or a social area, right? Because mm-hmm. we need we need to change that narrative of how we speak to each other in the same way that we do with diet culture and diet talk, right? We exactly. need to change that narrative between women. Yes. This was a blast. I had fun. I know. Laughing the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for having been with us today, Unami. Thank you so much for
1: having me on here.
0: So there you have it. Wasn't it fun? We laughed the whole time. I really enjoyed this episode. And I would highly encourage you to go and subscribe to Udemy's podcast. It's short bites podcasts that are going to just keep you every week with just a quick 15 minutes of what life could look like. A state of (laughs) non-balance, as we talked about in the podcast. So all the information is in the show notes. I love you, sister, and I look forward to hang out with you on the next podcast episode. Hey, you, if you enjoy listening to this show, you have to come and check Conquer and Tribe. It's my monthly coaching program that comes with expert courses that will show you exactly how to take this life-changing work and apply it into your own life. We teach you how to change your mindset, eat intuitively, and master body confidence that you've decided to stop dieting today or years ago conquer and thrive will help you take this knowledge deeper into real life practices it comes with access to me as your coach and my team of experts join us by simply going to www.stephanie.com forward slash join i can't wait to meet you inside our conquer and thrive community i'll see you on the other side